0: The feeding of the 5,000. Fresh baked scripture. Here we go. Matthew fourteen, thirteen. When Jesus heard what had happened, remember we were talking about the death of John the Baptist last week. And so that's what Jesus heard had happened. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Everybody or almost everybody has heard this story before. The feeding of the 5,000. Most likely there was more, uh, some estimates say as much as 12,000. Let's just go conserve it and say there were 7,000 people, okay? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to feed if you had enough food. You know, if you, if you had just, it all planned out, just the logistics of feeding 7,000 people is crazy. What I want to do before we get started is you were given a blank piece of paper, and hopefully we have enough pens for everyone. Um, but what I want you to do, I'm going to give you two minutes. And I want you to write down as fast and furious as you can write. I want you to write down everything you have that comes to mind. This could be anything. It could be a microwave. It could be a house. It could be a computer. It could be clothes. It could be food in the pantry. It could be a marriage. It could be anything that you have. Anything. There's no There's no rules right? A job. You could put your job down. You could put down your 401k. It doesn't matter what it is. We're going to take two minutes and you're going to write down everything you have. It could be a good relationship with my mom. It doesn't matter what it is, anything. Go ahead write it down and go. Pencils up. Okay. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, I know Isn't that awesome. I just got butterflies in my stomach when I said that. Oh, God. I hope I did well. Okay. You got your list. Okay. Hang on to them. Okay. We're going to use them later on. So we have the feeding of the 5,000. Everyone knows the story. And I don't know how you imagined it going down. I, I've seen it a lot on, uh, you know, different movies about Jesus and stuff. And it's a basket that goes around and it never, you know, they just keep pulling stuff out like a mag like a like a rabbit or whatever, like a magic hat, you know, and it just keeps going around and around. But I don't want to focus so much on the actual feeding of the 5000 as I want to focus on the disciples. Because really, that's what we are is Jesus' disciples and when Jesus performs miracles a lot of times it's for the people that he's performing the miracle for but also those that he's working through as well so we're going to look at five things that the disciples had to do in order to pull this miracle off the first one requires the least amount of maturity and that's to recognize the need recognizing the need jesus when he first gets off the boat now pay attention because it's very important jesus just found out that his cousin died john the baptist that he got his head chopped off and so he goes to a solitary place and when he gets there there's crowds there okay it says this when jesus landed and saw the crowd he had compassion on them and healed their sick Jesus recognized the people first, but he recognized them at a very deep level. He had compassion for them. The disciples recognized the people and they said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. The disciples saw the physical need that takes the least amount of maturity. I remember at our old church, uh, we used to have people all the time who'd come up and they would just dump on the pastor, you know what we need, pastor? I, I looked around and I noticed, you know, we need a ministry for squirrels. There's lots of squirrels around and they notice every little thing. We need a recycling thing. We need this. We need that. That takes the least amount of maturity. It's important, okay, but it takes the least amount of maturity. Doing something about the need is, is the next level, right? But at least recognize the need. The disciples at least saw. They said, man, it's getting late. There's all these people. What are we going to do? They recognize the the need. We saw this back in Matthew. The scripture I have up is in John. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Although it takes the least amount of maturity of of all the five things I'm going to talk about, it's vitally important that we recognize the needs around us, either as a church or as you being a, uh, um, a person in your neighborhood, whatever. You look up. In other words, get out of ourselves, get out of uh, what, what, what's all important to us and look around and see the need. Recognize the need. Is there somebody hungry? Is there somebody distressed that needs uh, a friend? In Philippians, it says, do not merely look after your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself that was also in Christ Jesus. See the connection? And now the disciples, it's pretty exciting because we've been watching the disciples all this time, and they're finally looking out and recognizing the need. It's good stuff. They're growing. You recognize the need. They finally notice the people. I wonder how long Jesus waited. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but... um, They they saw the people, but it wasn't necessarily their own idea. And we're going to see this later. But when you see a need, when you recognize a need, it's usually the Holy Spirit. You say, I I never hear the voice of God. You know, the pastor talks about hearing the voice of God. Yes, you do. When you're sitting there and all of a sudden you go, you know what? I'm going to call so-and-so from church. That idea that came in your head, that's the Holy Spirit. And when you act on that, You open up the floodgates for the spirit to speak to you more and more. If you shut it off, then you say, I never hear from God. You do hear from God. The question is, do we obey? But we recognize the need. That's the first thing the disciples did. Secondly, you realize your inadequacy. This is where we often stop. We see the need. We see how huge it is. And we go, I don't I got nothing for this. This is what was happening to the disciples. They said, hey, send, I, I, I got a plan, Jesus. Send them away to go get food and then they can, they can eat and, we'll be, and everything will be cool. And that's what typically happens. We recognize a need and then we come up with kind of our own plan. And it might be God's plan. Sometimes I come up with a plan and I, I think that's, and we, it seemed right to me and the Holy Spirit, like it says in Acts, and, and, and we just do it. Other times the Lord says, oh, no, that's, that's great. I love you that you see the need. But you, you can't, you're not going to be able to do it that way. It's going to take something else. And so they say, we have here only five loaves uh, of bread and two fish. Now watch what Jesus says here. He says in Mark. Because the, the cool thing about the feeding of the 5,000, it's in all four Gospels. So you get little, it's like a little detective work. You get little bits and pieces from each one. He says, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He tells them, how many loaves do you have in Mark? Go look. What we did this morning when I had you write down everything that you own or at least that you could do in two minutes is exactly that. I had you go look. What do you have? Look at your list. You got nothing. <laughs> let me let you hit on a little secret. You got nothing. You, you, if we combined all our lists together, we could barely even scratch the surface of reaching Garden Grove and the surrounding cities for Jesus. There's just not enough resource. We don't have enough resources. We couldn't give enough time. We couldn't give enough money. We got nothing. I was talking to somebody on staff at, um, at Rock Harbor Church. And um, they were looking into Garden Grove to plant a church. I said, that's fantastic. And they said, really? Because we talked to other churches and they're not that excited about Because they're a big church, you know. I'm like, have you seen a map of Garden Grove and the surrounding cities? You could plant 10 churches. You, you could plant 10 churches. You wouldn't even touch the amount of people that, that need to be touched. Once you recognize the need of just your street, it's, just, it's not enough. Jesus wants you in that situation. Go look. Look at what you got and see how inadequate you are. In Second uh, Corinthians, it says this. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. The disciples say we have no money, we got nothing. As a matter of fact, in John, there's a great little side story of what happens. It's in John chapter 6. And Jesus is talking to Philip. Now, kind of catch the scene. There's all these people out here. And Jesus is just kicking back. He's teaching. He's healing. He's doing all this stuff. And he just kind of leans over to Philip and he says, "This right here. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat?" He leans over. and He's like, "Man, Philip, look at all these people. How are we going to get them all this bread?" And Philip, he says this, "Oh no, 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 no! no. I don't want you to see that. Don't look at that. Okay, yeah. Because the, the next verse is the is the best verse in the whole Bible." And, and, and Philip, Philip has this discourse. Are you an idiot, Jesus? What are you doing? You, we couldn't, as you look at the, uh, all the gospels, there's one uh, uh, gospel that where the disciples were going, it would take eight months' pay. We're going to waste it on just one meal for all these people? Eight months? But the best verse in the whole Bible is right here in verse six. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind What he was going to do. Let me tell you something church. God already has in mind. What he's going to do through your life. And when you recognize a need. And you go man that's too big. Lord, Yeah what are we going to do about that. How are we going to reach. Garden Grove and the surrounding cities for Jesus. He already has in mind what he's going to do. You say, I got got nothing. Look at my list, Jesus. I got nothing. He already has in mind. If you think you're inadequate, praise God, you are. If you think you don't have enough money, praise God, you don't. Jesus already knows. He's not waiting for you to retire. He's not waiting for you to come to your senses. He knows what he wants to do. He's waiting for obedience. He's waiting for you to see the need and go, oh, man, this need is great. And he's asking, man, what are we going to do about that? He asked that to test us. It's, it's where we get the word temptation. He's trying us. He's tempting us. He's going, what, what's going on here? He's questioning what, what, what is going to be birthed out of your life, your life of inadequacy. If you feel inadequate, so do I. We all are. But Jesus already has in mind what he's going to do. It's fantastic. He wants you at that place. If you feel inadequate, that's exactly where he wants you. Where it gets dangerous, where it gets dangerous for pastors and leaders is to where they finally feel like they got it figured out. I don't ever want to be in a place in my life where I feel like I got it figured out. I want to get better. I want, I want, to get, I, I want more knowledge. I would always want to be at this, at this place of risk where God's going to do something. Number three, relinquish what you have. He says this. Bring them here to me. I love that. If we were watching this, this would be where they cut to a commercial. Okay, if you watch 24, this is where it goes, go boop, boop, boop. Because he says, bring them here to me. Whoa! what's going to happen? Isn't that cool? God wants your stuff. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. You say, I got this little thing. Bring it to him. He said, go look. Go look at what you have. Look at it. And then bring it to him. Relinquish it. Bring them here to me, he says. Jesus works with what you bring him. If you don't bring it to Jesus, he's not going to use it. He's not going to steal what you have. And you say, but if I bring it to him, he might take it away. Yeah, <laughs> he might. That's a blessing in and of itself. Sometimes we, we, we bring him what we have. Oh, Lord, I, I got this relationship. Oh, you know what? That's not a good relationship. I'm going to take that. No. I need that relationship. See, Jesus knows what we need more than we do. Remember when he said, uh, uh, send the people away. He says, they don't need to go away. I know what they need. You you give them something to eat. We don't have anything. Bring whatever you have to me. And think about that in your own life. Is there something in your life that you haven't brought to Jesus yet? I talk about money a lot. Um, again, because I haven't always been a pastor, I just feel real comfortable talking about it. Some pastors don't feel comfortable about it, and, and that's great. I do. I, I I think I think when you tithe, you break a lot of bondages, a lot of uh, in your life, for this very reason. You're just bringing it to God. You're going, Lord, I trust you with my money. And some of us haven't gotten to that place in our life yet, and we wonder why why is my life in this in this Listen to me, because you guys know me long enough. I'm not saying that when you tithe, all of a sudden you get the new job and the fancy car. You might just have less money. (laughs) Okay, so congratulations. All right. But what tithing does is it says, Lord, this is what I have. This is everything I have. And I'm going to give you 10% of what I have from my paycheck every time because I trust you. That's bringing something to Jesus. That's an example. He works with what you bring him. He says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. This is a kingdom principle that goes all through scripture. And so we bring him the smallest things of our lives. There's a theory if you read the book, The Tipping Point. Uh, there's a theory called broken window theory. And the idea is if you have a broken window on a street and you leave that window broken, uh, crime will begin to increase. There'll be graffiti and then there'll be transients there and then there'll be drugs and then there'll be murders all because of this broken window or, or, or not just one broken window. And this has been shown all throughout the city. Right. In New York City, um, they had a, uh, a subway. They were doing a multi-billion-dollar subway revamp. And they started with graffiti and the crime went down on the subways because there was a sense, there was this idea that things were kind of getting straightened up. And then uh, uh, Bratton, you know, our, our chief, he was at the uh, transit authority and he started there was the crime was at its all time high in these subways. And he uh, started with fare beaters, the ones who dr- jump over the turnstile. There were one hundred and seventy thousand fare beaters a day. And he just started arresting them. And you think, you go, man, well, what are you doing that for? There's people getting stabbed on the subway and you're going after fair beaters, right? But what they found was like one out of seven fair beaters had a prior and and, and, uh, had a warrant out for their arrest. One out of 20 was carrying a deadly weapon. They started with the small things. See, what we tend to think, we think backwards in our Christianity. We say, I'll start giving him the small things once I work towards that. I'm going to start with the big things first. You know, I got an anger issue. I got lust problems. I got that. And then when I work all the way down and when I become real spiritual, then then I'll then I'll work on these little things. That's not the way it works. It works the opposite. You start with the small things and it has a big effect on the little things. You got a problem with sexual promiscuity. Stop. Stop turning your head at the girl walking down the street. You say, "My, I'm not there yet. That's where you start. And all of a sudden it begins to transform your mind. It's the same thing with this. You have to relinquish everything to him. Not just the big things, the small things, too. You can start with the small things. He says, bring them here to me. Do you know Jesus cares more about your relationship with him than he does your resources? you got to give it up. Whatever it is, you have to be ready to give it up. Number four, respond with his blessing. So what happens is we give this stuff to Jesus. And what does he do? He breaks the bread and he blesses it. He looks up to heaven. He gives thanks. Because this bread, these five loaves and these two fish are about ready to wreck shop for the kingdom. This is about this little thing is about ready. We're going to see it in a little bit is about ready to tear the kingdom up. It's going to be awesome. He directs the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gives thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. When Jesus, when you give something to Jesus, he blesses it and he gives it back. If he gives it back, it's blessed. So you go before the Lord, you say, Lord, this is what I have. And he says, OK, you know what? I'm going to take this bad relationship. You shouldn't have that. I'm going to take this. but I'm going to give you back. This is great. It's blessed. He says, now what? Now give it to the people. Now give it away. Now use it for the kingdom, not for yourself. When Jesus gives you something blessed, it's probably not just for you. You don't get the new job and the financial blessing just so that we can go, oh, look how blessed I am. It's to give it away. If you've got a great marriage, use it for the kingdom. What's on your list? There's probably some really great stuff on there that's to be used for the kingdom of God. When God gives you something back, it's blessed. And what happens when it's blessed? It can be used radically for God's kingdom. You know what? I'm going to move on. Number five, return to Jesus empty. This is my favorite point of the whole sermon. Because for me, every time I looked at the feeding of the 5,000, it was always the magic basket. Like it, like, isn't that how you thought of it? Like they pass out the baskets and the baskets never go empty. Is that? Just let me see a show of hands. Is that kind, it's okay. Yeah, That's not how it went down. It was so exciting for me to see this revelation. Now, you have to look in the New American Standard. Uh, some people say that the New American Standard is the, be- the better of the translations between the NIV uh, and, and the New American Standard. And in some ways, it is. It's a more literal translation. And in this case, it is, because it keeps the right verb tense. It, it, it gets it right on this. It's not a big deal with the NIV, but the New American Standard rocks this verse. Check this out. Luke 9:16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. If you look at it in Mark chapter six, it's the same thing. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before them and he divided up the two fish among them all. This is the most important point of the whole sermon. When you get the word picture of what's going on here. It's. God takes what you have, the little measly bit, and he blesses it, and he begins to hand it back, and you begin to pass it out, and you return to Jesus empty. So, imagine here. Jesus is right here. He's praying. All the disciples are with him, okay? We're up on stage here. And I go to Jesus, and I go, I put out my arms, or a basket, doesn't matter, and he just takes... These loaves, and he's just like, and every time he does, he's just, he's just kicking back. He's like, the five loaves never go anywhere. He's in total control. And he fills up my basket, and I go over this far from Jesus, and I just kind of give, give out my basket, and it's empty. I turn around, and I go back, and each time I get farther and farther out serving, farther away from Jesus. Now, think about this. This is so awesome. I take my basket, and the first time I go, and I pass it out, and it's empty. I'm real close to Jesus. We kind of feed you guys already. You guys are stoked. You're happy, you know. You're not going to leave the sermon, okay? And I go back with this empty thing, and Jesus fills it up again. And so then I go a little farther out, right? I'm I'm out here now. Imagine how stoked I am. Passing out everything in my basket and turning around and looking at Jesus, looking me straight in the eye, going, come on, let's go. I got all day. We got 7,000 people to feed. And I'm not going to run out. And so you're walking back to Jesus. Can you imagine the disciples, the grin on their face, like, I cannot believe this is happening. I swear to you, he only had five loaves. (laughs) Right? Right? I mean, imagine when he, they're way away from Jesus and they're looking back and they see him and he's just sitting there going, I'm going to fill your basket up again. That is ministry. You, you give to Jesus what you have and he takes it and he blesses it and you go out and you give it all out and you go, this is awesome. And you turn around because you're empty now and notice the focus couldn't have been on the disciples Because they kept running out. The focus wasn't on some magic basket. The focus was on Jesus. Because they'd walk out. They'd get a little farther. And they'd be out. And listen. You could tell. They they come out and they're done. And there's more people to feed. And they go, don't worry. I'll be right back. Jesus is going to fill me up again. With all that faith. They turn around. They go back to Jesus, who just keeps giving and giving and giving. He's in total control. It has nothing to do with how much they gave him. I don't care what's on your list. It ain't enough to do what God wants you to do, but it doesn't matter. And so when we, when we get into ministry, when we, when we get that thing that God is burning in our heart, that need that we see, that, that fits in with our particular shape, and we begin to pour ourselves out. You know, I, I, we were looking at uh, different curriculum for the kids. If we go to two services, kind of how we're going to do it. And, 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 and so uh, I, I, I was talking to different people at this uh, children's pastors convention. And a lot of them were going, oh, you know what? It, the children's workers, you're going to love this program. They don't have to do anything. They can just show up. I, I don't want that, guys. If you're working with the kids, I want you to be working with the kids. I don't want you just to show up on Sunday and go, ah, you know, I'm just, I'm putting in my two cents. I want there to be a burning passion to raise these children up in the way they should go. And in the end, they won't depart from it. I want you to be empty at the end of Sunday. If you're working with our kids, if you're working with the high schoolers, if you're greeting people at the door, I want you to be empty. I want to be empty. Because where am I going to get filled up? Jesus. And so when we pour ourselves out like that and we go, man, those kids wiped me out. We don't go and sit. I just want a veg in front of the television. We don't do that. We go to Jesus and he's there going. Is this awesome or what? You tell those kids, I'm going to be right back. I'll be back next week to have an impact on your life. See, as you begin to see God using you in whatever it is teaching or, or, or calling people up and giving them words of encouragement or doing gifts of help, whatever it is, we just pour ourselves out, Jesus fills us right back up again. It's an awesome place to be. Is it not? Is it awesome, Nate? Yeah. See, Nate's, Nate is uh, working with... Uh, our college age, Thursdays, he's got to teach. He has a full-time job, right? It's hard work to have a full-time job and then care for 25, 30 people to keep up with all of them. There's nothing like it though, is there? There's nothing like that. And it's for everybody. So you got to keep coming back to Jesus because he's the source of the blessing. Now, one last thing I want us to see. All the disciples were doing <laughs> was passing out food, and then Jesus told them to clean up. That's all they were doing; they were just serving. It wasn't any big thing. It didn't take any spiritual gifts that were that we call the important ones, right? It didn't. They didn't have to prepare a sermon. They were they weren't the ones healing. Jesus was doing all that. They just had to pass it out and pick it up. I cannot. I've, talked about this before but i cannot express to you enough how important it is that everybody be used in the kingdom of god whether you're just picking up trash or you're preparing a sermon it doesn't matter our american culture puts the pastor up here and puts the person greeting down here the person greeting is my wife so if i do that i'm in a lot of trouble okay (laughs) (laughs) there's other people greeting too. I'm just joking. God doesn't see it that way. I want to show you all the gifts that were used. Now, a lot of them were Jesus. So I'm cheating, but, but, but Jesus has now given us the Holy spirit and he uses us. He uses us all first, the gift of giving. Did you know that that is a gift? There are some people that have a natural, uh, um, uh, desire to give. Okay. And God blesses them sometimes financially and they just give. They, you know who they are. They're just like, hey, I was thinking of you, and I got you this Starbucks card, or I got you this thing, or I saw this at the store, and these socks, and I got them for I know you like pink or whatever, right? That person has the gift of giving. That needs to be used for the kingdom. This little boy, see, the disciples didn't even give what was theirs. <laughs> they gave this, they, yeah, we got everything together. We stole this little boy's lunch, and, uh, and, and we're going <laughs> to... We're going to use that. You know, can you imagine tw- like 12 fishermen standing behind us? Hey, what you got in the bag, man? You know, I kids, like, some- give it to us. Jesus needs it, right? <laughs> We're going to assume he had the gift of giving. He said, Jesus, I got this. I got this stuff. Okay. The gift of healing was there. Some, some, some of you have the gift of healing. You say, man, you, that's kind of wacky. It seems kind of creepy. You know, you, you actually believe in that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I do. Some of you have the gift of healing here. It's the body of Christ. Jesus was healing. He was teaching at the same time. Gift of teaching was being used in this miracle. Of course, Jesus was doing that. The gift of service or helps, passing out food and picking up food. Some of you have the gift of helps. You think, well, I'm not doing anything. All I did was set up chairs. All I did was make some food. <laughs> it's a very, very important gift. Right? See, a lot of times when we act within our gifts, it's really not that big of a deal. Some say, some ask me, man, what's it like preparing a sermon every week? I don't know. I love it. (laughs) It's in my gifting. I love it. I love to be in the word all week long and figuring out what the Holy Spirit has for us. Right? Some people go, all I did was bake cookies. It's so important that you bake cookies. Trust me. Many, 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 a small group has lots of people because there's somebody with the gift. The teacher socks, right? But those cookies, I just got the snacks are awesome, right? It's very important. All they did was pass out food. Exhortation. What does Jesus say? You feed them. You can do it. You can do it. The gift of encouragement. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. You love writing notes. That is such an important gift in the kingdom of God. We're going to use you in the coming year. You're going to do that. For the kingdom, you're going to write people notes. We haven't seen you in a while. Is everything okay? How can we pray for you? You say, well, that's not. I like doing that. The ministry is supposed to be hard. It is. That's when you're empty. You just go back to Jesus. He's got more notes for you to hand out. Exhortation. He says, you feed him. I know you can do it, guys. What do you have? What do you have to use for the kingdom? The working of miracles. All right. That's another gift. Well, the bread and the fish were kind of the miracle. So that was crazy uh, to have all that stuff just keep happening. I'm praying for an outpouring of God's Spirit this year on this congregation. I, I pray we would see miracles. Wacky, crazy miracles where we look and we scratch our heads and go, are we like charismatic freaks or what? What's going on? <laughs> the Holy Spirit can do it. Some of you may have that gift. You say, ah, oh, uh-uh, Yes. The gift of faith. The disciples had to keep coming back to Jesus with an empty basket with the faith that he was going to fill it up again. They were once, once they got into it and everybody's clamoring for the bread, Jesus better be filling up that basket. The gift of faith. The gift of administration. Jesus breaks them up into hundreds and fifties. Okay. Some of you have the gift of administration. You're a manager at your work or you just see things and you go, you know what? We actually really should put that over there and that over there. It would work better. That's one of my spiritual gifts. I love administration, right? You say, ooh, that makes me... I like to maintain things. Great, we need that too. But some of you have the gift of administration and you should be heading up a ministry because you know how it all works. No, we're not going to use that guy this week because he's with this guy and this guy's terrible and this guy's good and we'll just put them together and it'll be average, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's the gift of administration. Come on. All right. The gift of mercy. What happens? Jesus comes off the boat, he feels compassion. Some of you have the gift of mercy. You you really ache for people. You really feel it. We need those people. Why? Because the administrator's just breaking them up into fifty and hundreds and doesn't really care, right? <laughs> He's just like, oh yeah, well, I don't know, fifty over here. No, don't put those. They just had a divorce. Put them over there. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, right? We need those gifts. Some of you are, are um, you feel, you're emotional. You, it's just like, oh, I can't, God, I'm too emotional. I can't be used for the kingdom. Trust me, I need you. Because I, I, I tend to hurt people's feelings. So I, I need you to go, you just hurt their feelings. Oh man, I'm sorry. Knowledge, the gift of knowledge. Some of you have a word of knowledge. You'll go, you know what? I don't know, but I feel like I need to tell you this. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. I just show you this to go. This is just an example of the feeding of 5,000. If I were to say, what happened in the feeding of the 5,000? You'd pick the working of miracles, but that would be it. That's what happens in the kingdom. We just look at one gift, one guy, one thing. It's, it's not me. Guys, we are a team for the kingdom of God.